Welcome to The Upper Left. Each week, you'll hear startup founders and co-founders, corporate executives, angel investors, venture capitalists, and economic development officials discussing entrepreneurship and innovation in The Upper Left. Now, here are your hosts. Lee Reeves here, host of The Upper Left, a podcast about scaling entrepreneurship and innovation in The Upper Left. With me today, Lincoln Smith, Executive Director of Kamloops Innovation in Kamloops, British Columbia. Lincoln, how are you? Thanks for joining me on the Upper Left. Thanks, Lee. I'm, I'm doing great and uh, looking forward to talking about Kamloops. Excellent, excellent. Well, well, look, I want to let's start off and, and talk about Kamloops, right? Because uh, you know, I'm down here in Seattle, and I don't know how many people have ever ever heard of Kamloops. Um, so, give us a little bit of background on the on the community, Kamloops Innovation, uh, and and why we should why we should know about about Kamloops. Um, sure. So, I think what would be good is if I just sketch out what the city looks like in in broad strokes, and then we can talk a bit about the tech sector here and the growth of the tech sector. So, like many uh, cities in in Washington and BC and up to Alaska, um, we're a resource sort of built community. We're about ninety thousand right now. Um, our Traditional economies are forestry, agriculture in the form of uh, ranching, um, mining as well. And then because we're a sort of a centralized hub within the province, we get a lot of service industries sort of growing up around that um, to serve those those industries in our, in our region. We have a university, a research university in town. Um, and just sort of, uh, you know, the, the typical sort of interior or interior state recreation, tourism, those kind of things. That would be a, a general description of Kamloops. So 90,000 90, people currently in the city. Um, what's, uh, what was that number, let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago? Are you guys seeing incremental growth in the number of residents that are moving to Kamloops? <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to guess at it. Uh, I mean, I was born and grew up in Kamloops, but moved away and came back in 2009. But my understanding is it's it's been on a steady increase. But in the last little bit, we've had you know a bit of a uptick in the population and new housing starts here. So that's that's on the increase for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, major uh, research uh, institution right in in Kamloops, and that is what. Oh, uh, Thompson Rivers University. Thompson Rivers University. Okay, and and you said uh, primary um, economies, right? You, you, ranching. Uh, what else? What what else is kind of the Kamloops uh, economy look like? Uh, well, it's going to be ranching, uh, forestry, mining, manufacturing. Definitely a blue collar town. Um, that's what the economy was built on. Lots of entrepreneurs, lots of small, medium enterprises. And then sort of in the last 10 years and on uh, a surge of tech companies as well. And, and some of those existing companies turning into tech companies, which is where I think cities like Kamloops and uh, others like us have a real unfair advantage on some of the major urban centers. And from your from your experience, uh, you know, having having lived in Kamloops, um, why are why are some of those tech companies choosing to um, to set up shop in Kamloops? Um, I think it's it's a choice that's sort of made for them. When you look at the tech companies that are here, uh, 
I should sort of give a sketch of what they look like. So we have a lot coming out of the university. Um, we have software as a service as sort of a, or software in general as, as a main startup type. Um, that's just because they're not capital intensive. You know, if you have the, the developer skills and want to do something, you can do it. So we see a, a higher percentage of those type of companies here. As we are growing and say over the last three years, we're starting to see existing companies who have been in business for 10 years and not considered a tech company, um, starting to look at developing new products, developing new services and using tech and using um, the resources that are coming out of the university to develop those products. And these companies are going from traditional uh, you know, workshop to a tech company. So you guys are really leveraging um, leveraging the university, right? Not not only for uh, innovation, like product innovation, but for talent as well. Yeah, um, I mean, there's work work to be done there. The when we look at the the workforce that we have in Kamloops um, and the growth that we want to sort of experience here in the tech and innovation sector, workforce is what holds us back. Um, and I think that's probably true if your listeners are in, in city or cities outside of the major urban centers. Um, workforce is, is a big issue if you want to expand or grow um, an enterprise. And a lot will say, oh, well, it's access to capital or it's mentorship or it's, we don't have an angel network. Well, all those things can really be found. A good idea will find that those resources, it's not very, not very far for us to travel to Vancouver to access some of that stuff. But when you look at the workforce, um, that kind of really needs to be local in most cases. Um, sure, there's there's access to remote workers, but if in the early stages of a startup, it's it's often best to have that team close at hand or at least working together. And if you want the startups to start here, uh, they've got to have the the workforce to sort of allow them to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Break down the, break down the, the demographics of, uh, of Kamloops for me. Uh, and the reason I asked for the demographics, because you talk about, you know, talk about workforce and workforce development. Um, uh, there's obviously, uh, you know, a lot of conversation going around. The, I think the, the country really, from my perspective about workforce development and what, what we can do to help train uh, individuals that might not be familiar with, you know, the, 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 the digital economy, right? What we can do to train those people to help fill uh, a lot of jobs that require that particular knowledge and, and skill set. Um, so what is the, what does the demographics look like of, of Kamloops and, and what is uh, Kamloops innovation and, or the city and some of the other organizations doing to help drive forward, uh, that workforce development around digitalization? Well, I would, again, I don't know the, the numbers exactly, but I can give you a general feel of what, where I think the demographics are. Um, it's going to be a slightly older population. Um, we have, Camelot becomes a bit of a, a centralized retirement spot for the working class, smaller towns in the interior of BC. You'll see people moving as they get a bit older to the major urban centers for hospital, for doctors, for just downsizing way of life. Uh, The university obviously brings in the back of the bottom end of that 
so we attract youth into the city. A lot of international students are coming into the interior through Thompson Rivers University. Um, and that's a great sort of invigoration of, of the demographics. Um, I, I think one of the things I tell city officials um, or anybody who will listen actually in government is we really need to start building the tech and innovation sector outside of, in our case in BC, uh, the lower mainland. If we don't, we have this constant uh, pull of the youth, of the, the younger demographic, naturally to the places where the jobs are, where the exciting high paying jobs are, that really puts a strain on the infrastructure of, of your city. And, and those all filter down. If, if your youth is moving away and no one's coming in to buy the, uh, uh, you know, the houses to get on the property ladder, they're not having kids to keep the schools open. Um, that's really starts to impact your tax base. And as these industries that we've traditionally relied on, like forestry, like mining become more automated. Uh, the jobs don't go away, but they become less. Uh, we're we're going to not have that, that ability to keep those youth in the area and keep the smaller cities, you know, under 15,000, under 5,000 open and alive for the other activities that go on there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are sort of the concerns and one of the reasons why we're really trying to support, I guess, or foster the tech and, tech and innovation industry here is to get out ahead of that. Um, and I guess the, the sort of other bulge in the demographics we're starting to see is people moving back. Either they moving back to the interior or they're moving to the interior because of other forces that are maybe pushing them out of the lower mainland or the major cities. And they're at a, a life stage that they're able to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Vancouver gets to be more more expensive, and you know, kind of the surrounding communities around Vancouver, you know, it pushes pushes people outward, right? And that's 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 similar to what's happening in in Seattle to an extent. Is that you've got you know the, the Seattle core is, is doing you know quite well, uh, and uh, and some of the outlying communities are seeing uh, more more people move uh, into into their communities as well. Um, you know, as far as uh, talent flight goes, you know, you brought up this point, right? Where, where younger people are, are predominantly uh, attracted to some of these major hubs, uh, you know, the, the, the county to the north of, of Seattle, Snohomish County, it sees uh, 80,000 people a day uh, leave for uh, King County, right, where Seattle is located, and the county to the south. Pierce County sees 150,000 people a day leave for King County, uh, and they're and they're all leaving for higher paying jobs, right? And that's typically you know software and, and management and aerospace. So um, all too familiar down here. Um, l- let's talk about some of the strategies that you you and your team and uh, some of the other supporting organizations in Kamloops have deployed to to try and retain some of that talent, right? And I want to talk specifically about Kamloops Innovation because that's what, exactly what you guys are doing, right? You guys are creating a community and an ecosystem and a, and a hub really where people can come and, and share stories and, and create things and innovate and build, right? Um, so talk a little bit about Kamloops Innovation and how you guys are fostering that environment. Well, the that's a really good question because it ties into what you said just previously where you have that daily migration of workforce in and out of an area. Um, once you, you move sort of a 45 minute hour commute out of Seattle um, and you start talking about three hour, 
four hour drives like what we are from Vancouver, um, that's not really possible. Um, and the expectations that you can say, okay, well, let's just start, let's start a tech industry in Kamloops. I mean, we can't all commute to Vancouver to get these jobs isn't realistic um, because there's a number, and this is my opinion anyways, there's a number of aspects of that sector that are sort of secondary and tertiary to the sector that have to be in place first. Um, I'm sure we're all in beautiful areas with Washington, BC. Um, and many of the municipalities will talk about way of life and, and recreation and hiking and access to mountain biking and yada, yada, all those things. Well, we all have those things and it's not enough just to attract those, those individuals with the promise of a, a better way of life or not a better way of life, but a better standard of living, maybe a bit less expensive. You also have to have the jobs here to for them to do. They can't just come here and hang out at craft breweries all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and so tying into your, your question, that's where Camus Innovation comes in. Camus Innovation is uh, there to prepare the ground for these other people, for the entrepreneurs to come in and make the tech sector. Canvas Innovation is a technology business accelerator in sort of the traditional sense. We have a physical presence. Um, we offer programs, uh, and they're sort of government subsidized programs for entrepreneurs and for companies that are trying to grow and scale. Um, but at the, you know, if I could only pick one activity to do, it would be preparing the ground for those companies to come. Um, have a central place to go to have ways to collide into each other. And then the stuff that you don't even think of, we should be doing as far or supporting in a business sort of act dev role. It's the cultural, uh, cultural aspects of living in Kamloops. Um, it's not enough just to offer, just like it's not enough to offer uh, a better standard of living you need to have a job. Well, you don't only have to have a job. You have to have these other activities outside that job that uh, address the things that you would be missing if you move from a larger urban center. So arts and culture, things to do, live music, um, aspects of that. So those are that's kind of where Kamloops Innovation is within the city. It's definitely promoting entrepreneurship, definitely promoting tech and innovation, um, but we're also conscious that we have to build those those aspects around it. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the um, some of the wins that that you can point to um, that uh, that Kamloops Innovation has directly could contributed to? I, I think obviously you know from my perspective the first win is like up and running right <laughs> and and and, and yep. putting the, putting the framework in place to support uh, people that are entrepreneurial and and creators and builders that want to build products and services and, and start companies and things like that. But what are, what are some of the other community wins that you can point to? I think, I think the, the stuff that we're probably have been the, the most impactful are I, we've had tech companies in, in Kamloops since the nineties, maybe even the eighties. I'm not sure, but they were never, Kamloops was never known to have a, a tech sector. It would be like one software company that's, up here for God knows what reason, built up to 20, and I've sort of been ticking along for 10 years, 15 years, you know, providing software for some niche market. But 
what Campus Innovation has been, and there's several, there's several of those types of companies that are doing t technology manufacturing, software, um, technical services, etc. What Campus Innovation has tried to do is bring all of those individual companies together, um, bring them to the same events, be seen as a group uh, so that not only our city, ourselves, our own um, citizens are talking about what Kamloops is doing in tech, but others outside of Kamloops begin to talk about the cool things that are going on there. And we don't get that unless we sort of aggregate everybody's activity and, and crush it into a, a snowball a bit and use that to promote what we're doing here. So that's a big part of what the success that Kamloops is starting to see is around that kind of activity. So it, it feels like we're punching above our weight a little bit because we have brought those individual companies together and their momentum, we have other companies who are drafting on them. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you, you guys are really just, you guys are creating that, creating that kind of catalytic environment, right? <laughs> is what it is, what it sounds like to me where people exactly. can yeah, come yeah. together and share ideas and um, you know, sell opportunities to one another and talk about their products and their services and, and things of that nature, which is uh, by very definition, I think the uh, catalytic uh, innovative environment, right? Yeah. And it, it, it creates the opportunities you don't really think of. So if, if somebody who has no interest or no connection to the um, tech industry is, is reading articles about Kamloops it, or their own city about this happening or this company raising around or this, this company's, you know, expanding this many employees, the news stories, that information gets out to them. They're more likely to talk about that to somebody else who will have an impact back on the tech sector, who, you know, they'll talk to their cousin, they'll talk to their own children who are coming home from university from one of the larger cities hey, you should check out Campus Innovation. We've read about these stories. And that starts to be a, a sort of a change magnifier for us as far as getting the word out, getting the story out to the point where the municipality becomes quite proud of what we're doing. And then that information and that image is projected even further. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the one of the uh, points that you that you brought up right when we were talking before, even before uh, doing this podcast, is um, is the commonality between you know north the northwest, right? Between the states that comprise the the northwest, right? British Columbia, Alaska, you know, Washington State, Oregon, Idaho. Um, what what advice would you give to just based on your own experience at, at Kamloops Innovation? What did what advice would you give to other uh, municipalities, policymakers, you know, decision makers at some of these other, you know, maybe rural communities, right? What what advice would you give to them about just getting started on something and, and putting a framework and or support system in place to support entrepreneurs and or startup activity in, in their community? Um, I think if we come at that from, from both sides, so I have municipalities that will come to Kamloops and want to speak with us about what we're doing and why it's working and how they can replicate it. And then I can t also talk from the, the top end, the government who is directing us, um, providing us with funding. Uh, and this will 
be true of all of those states. There's a you know centralized state government municipalities will also be supporting tech in one way or the other. The the key theme that I always see would be a benefit if they look at localization of whatever programs they think they want to do. And that's like a very confusing bunch of bland words. But what I mean by that is often, let's go from a municipality of of 5,000, because this is top of mind, it happened uh, last month, came to Canvas Innovation and said, hey, we want to open, we have, so we've had $50,000. We want to make a co-working uh, venue. We want to have an accelerator. We see what you guys have done in Kamloops and it's really positive and we want to replicate that. Um, but they haven't localized it to their municipality. They've just looked and saw co-working um, business accelerator, um, you know, tech and think, think that they can just take that money and buy those things back in their, uh, their smaller community. And my advice to them was take aspects of what we're doing, but don't do it the same way we are because it just won't work well in your area. Same thing happens with programs developed in Vancouver or Seattle. If you try to export them to Kamloops and they're not localized for what's happening here, they're destined to either frustrate whoever's delivering them or fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the big uh, advice points that I think have helped us in trying to, you know, help other communities that are of the same size or, or a different stage in development from us, maybe a bit earlier, and then also work with the, the funders that are wanting to expand tech and innovation across, across the province or across the state. Mm-hmm. What, you're, what you're referring to is really um, making sure that each municipality plays to its strengths, right? Because uh, to your point, you know, the, a program uh, here in Seattle, you know, might not might not survive in Kamloops for whatever reason, if you try and replicate it, you know, you, you can't get the, uh, the number of people to attend or, you know, let's say if it's a paid program, um, it, it could be the price point could be could be too low or could be too high for that matter. Right. So not, not replicating what, uh, is seen as a success in Seattle in, in that municipality. Um, I always use the example of, um, Oh, let's say Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington, right? It's about 30, 30 miles south of, of Seattle. And, and they've got, uh, you know, joint base Lewis McCord, which is uh, just about 60,000, 60,000 people, I believe on that, on that base, right? A lot of whom, when they finish, uh, finish their military service will um, live and reside in, in Tacoma and or the South Sound. You know, they've got a, a, a major port in Tacoma that, uh, that employs about 20, I think it's about 20,000 people, um, you know, a lot of opportunity to create, let's say, programs and frameworks around, you know, military innovation or, um, you know, startups in the logistics space or the supply chain space or the IoT space as it relates to, you know, uh, transportation and, and logistics. So, you know, each community really needs to play up, from my perspective, to to what it has, right? And not try and replicate what other communities have done because to your point, sometimes they don't necessarily work out the way that you want them to. Um, I think that's, that's sound advice. I, I really do. I, from, from my perspective, that, that sounds good. Why, why do you think that, um, 
some of these municipalities, these decision makers and leaders and things like that, you know, oftentimes they might see the success of Seattle or or San Francisco and they say, you know, I I want that, (laughs) right? I want that. But a lot of times they, they forget that, you know, Seattle and San Francisco, Silicon Valley, you know, didn't happen overnight. Right. Yeah. Um, which is important to remember. Well, it's, you know, it's been a number of years, 30, 40 years or whatever it's, it's taken these ecosystems to, uh, to evolve. So sound advice, I think, uh, Lincoln as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other lessons that you've learned in, in working with government. Um, and obviously, you know, I want you to tread a line, right? Because uh, a lot of your guys' support does does come from from government, um, but it's uh, it's challenging, you know, working with um, with government with bureaucracy. And uh, oftentimes, from my experience, I found that you know they just don't move as quickly uh, in in the public sector as they as they do in the private sector. What's what's your been your experience in, in working with government thus far? Well, I guess I. I would take myself some of the blame of the programs and approaches that come out of government because I just, I feel that the people and the organizations and unit we work with, they're not, they're smart people. They want the best for for the areas, for the province, for the municipality. Um, And I think it's, it relies a bit on if I'm, if I'm wanting a different approach or I'm wanting more of this localization, it's, that puts it back onto Canvas Innovation to, to explain why, to tell the story better. And that's something that smaller areas, uh, ours included, need to focus on is telling our story better, explaining why we would like this localized and why we're asking them to invest more, maybe not money, but time in the development of those programs. Um, it's, it's, I use the example of, of ecosystems, but in a bio, biological sense. So my first degree was in, in biology. So I have this background of ecosystems and ecology. Um, we, we have different ecosystems. Vancouver is a different ecosystem than Kamloops and Seattle's different than Vancouver. Um, but our, our political systems are based in our major urban centers. Um, and they tend to be the ones they hear the most from, from the tech sectors of those major urban centers, naturally, because they're in the same location. They have more wealth to do it and, and talk to the, the politicians. Um, and what we end up doing is they say, great, we've got, you know, 300 foot cedar trees here on the coast. We want those trees in Kamloops. Let's just take one and plant it there. Not realizing that that's just never going to happen. The ecology and the ecosystem is completely different. And I think if you said that out loud, they go, well, yeah, naturally, Kamloops is a high desert. We're not going to do that. We need to tell that same story with the programs, the approaches, um, the emphasis on what we're doing to promote tech and innovation so that we don't do the same thing with funding and programs that we would never do with uh, an ecological species like that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that sort of make sense? Like those are the, the things that I think would be the most useful is if I can tell that story or we can all tell that story a bit better, knowing that it has to be localized. It has to be slightly, um, you know, changed for the environment to the strengths of what, what those places are. Otherwise, 
Um, we, we continue to have a centralized system where tech is off the charts in the large city and we kind of throw money out into the, into the regions to do with what they can, but not have impact as much as they could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, storytelling is is certainly um, seems to be a major component of of this, right? Uh, and uh, I've been involved in a, a project actually down in uh, down in Tacoma for uh, just about over a year now, uh, and part of the the process that we're going through at this time is, uh, you know, storyboarding, uh, storyboarding the story, right? Which is what, what is the story that we have to tell about, uh, startup two, five, three, which is this, this project that we, that we're working on down in Tacoma. And, you know, I think all, all of us need to be better storytellers, right? But, uh, everybody loves a good story and it's, it's important part of this puzzle. Um, so I, I totally, I totally agree with you, uh, with you there. Um, all right, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, just some of the some of the companies, and I, I don't want to get too heavy into the the companies that, that call Camloops home. But um, are there you know two or three companies that you can that you can point to that um, you know may, maybe we've heard of or maybe we haven't heard of, but uh, are really contributing to to the growth of of Camloops and contributing to the community with with jobs and you know giving back to the the community and things like that? What are a couple of companies that uh, that come to mind? I think uh, what what I'd like to highlight as far as the the wins and the companies that are really contributing to the the uh, tech sector here, it's a classification of companies, and I think this will maybe resonate with your listeners that are outside of um, you know the the big municip- or the Vancouver, Victoria, uh, Seattle, Portland, possibly you know the outside of those areas. And those are companies that have become tech companies. And I love to find these companies because uh, unlike startups, like a university, a tradition, not a traditional, whatever, uh, you know, a two person software startup out of university or a hardware startup out of university, unlike them, they have business experience. They may have been in business for the last 10 or 15 years. They have capital because they've been successful. They have domain knowledge of their industry. So they're best placed to um, know what the pains are, see the problems and come up with the solutions that if they could develop those solutions or those products, solve that for all the similar industries, not only in, in our area or their own shop, but then, globally. Um, and then we start as a, a community of the size of Camelops to be providing services and products that are exported globally through technology, importing cash here and creating jobs here. So it's a, it's a huge movement or impact for our tech sector. So we have companies who, and I can, I can name some, um, Aero Transport, uh, did a, a very similar thing to what I've just described and has spun out Streamline Technology. Streamline Technology now now employs 25 people. Uh, Traxpera is similar to that in that it was initially a electrical, large electrical contracting company, so just doing trades, uh, who developed a software product for their own use, but then went the next step to commercialize it and sell it to others. And now they're selling globally as well. Um, Access Forestry, if we look at the forestry uh, industry, have been fixing uh, 
piece of equipment called a processor head, if you're familiar with forestry, um, for 10 years. They know exactly what's wrong with the current market offerings and, and design from top to bottom a new head and new software and new sensors. And they're just, you know, they've gone from four people who would have been welders and tradespeople to more welders and tradespeople plus 18 um, engineers, essentially. It's a tech company. I would describe it more as a tech company than a manufacturing company that it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. So those are some examples. And I think something that the smaller and regional cities can be looking to replicate. That's definitely replicable in other areas is to find those industries, find those existing businesses and just help them leverage the existing technology to make something new. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that really comes down to support, you know, supporting existing, existing companies, right? I mean, uh, and, and from my, my perspective, you know, economic development is, um, while, while at one time it was very much a, a top-down play, right, on, uh, you know, expansion and, and retention and, you know, attracting companies, you know, like the Amazons and, and things like that with a top-down approach. To me, economic development today is, is more of a, you know, sitting down with uh, localized businesses and, and their leaders uh, and really finding out, you know, what their business is what their business model is, what the product is, what the service is, and helping them, helping them grow the company uh, as a means to create, you know, new jobs, right? Because that's what economic development is. It's their number one metric is, is jobs. Yeah. Uh, and if you can sit down with a, you know, a founder, CEO of a company based in your municipality and say, you know, what are you working on? What do you need? And how can we help? Right, whether that is you know access to to potential new hires or access to new customers, new partners, uh, or access to capital. Right, the fastest way to help a company grow is to look underneath the hood of the car, right, and figure yeah. out what the, what they have. Uh, so yeah. I think that's a great approach. I think that's an absolutely great approach. Work with existing companies to help them help them grow quickly, right? Because that's gonna that's gonna contribute to the, the jobs metric, which most of these organizations are, are looking for and a lot of a lot of times they don't they have ideas and they but they don't know what is what's available to pursue those ideas and in the case of the forestry company i described that that uh enabling technology was 3d handheld scanners um in in um sort of metal fabrication or fabrication shops even now it's often cardboard templates, masking tape to build and prototype things and then sending it off to get cut up and then bringing it back to weld to find out, okay, well, that, that didn't quite work. Getting And then having to re redo that whole process. And a lot of shops are just like, well, it takes too long. It's too expensive. We're not going to develop this brand new product. But when they were introduced to the technology of 3D um, handheld scanning, um, they had someone on come on to staff that was able to do more of it. And this might seem like old technology, but was able to do more of the CAD and CAM type activities in their shop. It enabled the development of this completely separate company uh, that is, you know, hiring like gangbusters and looking for more space. And it's going to be a huge economic impact on Kamloops to have just that, that little turn, little push. Here's this technology. It's like, holy shit, now we can do this. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And they're off to the races. Yeah. 
Yeah. That sounds like a, it sounds like an outstanding, uh, outstanding company, a, g- a group of companies, as a matter of fact, the, the three that you named. Um, let's look, uh, let's look to 2019, uh, Kamloops innovation. What, what is your guys's uh, product roadmap look like, right? You guys are obviously going to continue to, uh, provide that, that support and, uh, infrastructure needed to support entrepreneurs and, and the startups, uh, in, in Loops. But, uh, what else do you guys have on the map going forward? <laughs> Well, we're going to take the programs we've got now and uh, expand them with hopefully more people coming into them. Um, we kind of look at our whole product line as a big funnel or sales funnel as far as getting people introduced, getting them into business basics, which are just sort of workshops that they can do and get their a taste of what's possible. And that slowly filters down as we go up in sort of the intensity of the programs. So as far as 2019, I think capitalizing on the the brain trust that the university has, both in its faculty, but um, also in its students, is something that we're looking to do. Um, finding more of the companies that are existing now that aren't tech companies, but could become a tech company and or spin out a tech company in the sector that they currently exist in. I mean, for us, that's that's far easier than attracting a company. And I look at a uh, you know t- typical or traditional like dev is like you said, business attraction. How do we get companies to move here? We're not focused on that at all, and we won't be in 2019. We're more focused on taking what we have here, the resources, the companies, the the talent we have here, and building it here locally doing our best to slowly grow that ecosystem. Eventually those others will be attracted to it, but that's, we can't do that first. We're doing the ecosystem, the community first. And that's, those are other things that we'll be focused on in 2019. That sounds, uh, that sounds excellent. It sounds like you guys are doing a lot of, a lot of great work. And I, I must admit, I have, I have not been to Kamloops, uh, in my lifetime. Uh, but I, I do plan on getting up there. I think, um, uh, after this episode, I'm, I'm going to maybe make an ask of a couple of colleagues, uh, close friends say, Hey man, let's go up to, let's go up to Kamloops for a couple of days and go meet with Lincoln and, and tour the, tour the community and see what they have going on. Uh, cause I always, I always like visiting places I haven't been and, uh, people that are doing really interesting, really interesting things and good work in the community. Right. Here's here's an invite that I normally I'm giving out more and more now. Um, if you're into skiing and snowboarding, we have Sun Peaks, which is very close to Kamloops. Um, a lot of the tech visitors that we have uh, will come into Kamloops. They'll work at co-working at Kamloops Innovation, and then ski the entire weekend and possibly work over the week or work an extra day on the other side of that weekend that allows them to sort of travel in off times, but do a whole holiday getaway on just the weekend. So if your company is set to allow you to work remotely for a couple days, come up to Kamloops, work remotely, ski Saturday, Sunday, work remotely or, or head home on Sunday night. And it kind of makes the trip a bit doable without even having to take more time off work. 
<laughs> I love it. I, I got to admit, man, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a skier or, or a snowboarder. I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, fishing in the summertime, but uh, I, I tell you what, for anybody that wants to join me and they want to hit the slopes, I, I'll, you know, I'll meet them at the bar uh, when they get down the, get down from the top of the mountain, you know, we'll, we'll call it fair. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't, I don't do the whole skiing. And, and well, we got the fishing too for the summer. So maybe we'll see you in the summer. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, I love to get some, love to get some fishing, uh, fishing done in the summertime. So for those people that want to that want to find out more about Kamloops Innovation Lincoln, what's what's your guys's website and uh, and how can we find you and or your uh, your colleagues on uh, on social media and, and get in touch with you? So our website is KamloopsInnovation.ca. Kamloops Innovation, one word. Um, all of our contact detail and social is on that site. Um, and yeah, if you want to get hold of us or visit or do the ski holiday, as we mentioned, um, just send somebody in that on that website an email, and it will get to the right person. The the community here is very genuine and giving, and we'd have no problem finding you places to stay, things to do, people to take you out, uh, a desk to work at. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, I, I will definitely be taking advantage of that, Lincoln, and uh, I will be sure to pass the, the word around to uh, to my network as well. Uh, one more time, Lincoln Smith, Executive Director of Kamloops Innovation in Kamloops, British Columbia. Lincoln, thank you so much for coming on the Upper Left, sharing your experience and uh, the history of Kamloops Innovation. We, we wish you nothing but success, my friend, and, and best of luck in 2019. Thanks, Leah. It's been fun. That's all for this episode of The Upper Left. If you found it valuable, please head to our Patreon site and contribute whatever amount you can to our show. Your contribution will support entrepreneurship and innovation in the upper left. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Upper Left.